0: When I was in hospital watching my daughter be born, the nurse came in and said "Sorry, sorry. you can imagine what's coming. She said, is this the granny? Have we got the granny here?
1: Why have you never told me that story before? That's perfect.
0: (laughs) Well, because I'm furious about it, obviously. I'm Kathleen Stock. And I'm Julie Bindle. And this is the Lesbian Project Podcast. All the sapphic traffic for anyone who wants a bit more lesbian in their life. So you've been on your travels, haven't you,
1: mm. since I last saw you? Well, you last saw me when I was actually in Toronto. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and then I, I seem to have been there for a very long time, and I was staying in the most depressing condo imaginable in Why? downtown was it Toronto. Why? so bad about it? Oh, my God, it was so bare and soulless. But also, the woman who was running it, who sort of the bookings it's not her condo um she's obviously paid clearly quite badly and treated quite badly for her to be so bad tempered with the clients (laughs) Uh um now this might be a little bit to do with the fact that English isn't her first language but it can't all be to do with that for example when I asked if she could tell me exactly how to turn the air conditioning fan off because I was freezing because Toronto is cold right now Mm. she said to me no go and ask a neighbor and I said I can't do that I can't just go knock on a stranger's door and she said what do you do at home do you get somebody to come around then and help you with your heating wow it was unbelievable yeah that is quite (laughs) and then I looked at the towels in the in the wardrobe and there was one that was about this big it was a hand towel so I said where are the bath towels and after a bit of toing and froing of her telling me that that that's is the size of the towel (laughs) Um, and I says well you know it would dry one of my feet but she said go and buy one from the store I mean it was actually hilarious
0: wow you met your match (laughs) what did you what did you say
1: did you just meekly
0: turn tail and go away
1: or go and leave her a
0: terrible review or something
1: I kept trying to be one of those kind of you know nice socialist types that recognize that actually she's probably paid peanuts to do a really shitty job (laughs) and then eventually I just snapped and I said you are the rudest person I've ever encountered which clearly isn't true I mean I've met much far ruder than her (laughs) and what did she say um she just said if you pay me uh, a cab uh, my cab there of 25 Canadian dollars I will come round and help you but you should be able to google it and do it yourself
0: Tough love. This is reversing my impression of what Canadians are like. I thought that they were all supposed to be very kind.
1: She's not Um. Canadian, but she isn't. And then actually she was probably from Ukraine because, I mean, Canada has the, um, you know, the the Ukrainian diaspora um, is huge in Canada. And Uh so, you know, you, you come across Ukrainians all the time. Sometimes, you know, they've been there for generations and others are newly arrived since... The beginning of the war but which leads me to one of my lesbian stories Kathleen. Right Ukrainian because, lesbians. Yep yeah, because as you know I was there to do research on my next book on lesbians working title Lesbians <laughs> and as I say every wow. week if <laughs> anyone, anyone comes up with the best subtitle ever get in touch with me or don't actually because it'll probably be really bad. Um. Okay so I'm interviewing lots and lots of women in different contexts, in different countries. And some are queer identified, some are young lesbians, some are older lesbian feminists. But one thing is particular in Canada, which is why I've been twice now in the last two or three months to Vancouver and Toronto, that the laws on single sex spaces and self-identification for trans identified people is just off the scale. Trudeau, obviously, liberals have carried this gender ideology all the way through um, to the bitter end of just allowing men, for example, to self-identify as women based on a feeling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Trudeau pushed that through. And what it's meant for the lesbians, it's it's actually devastating for the lesbians that want to organise without men. And these, these women are not anti-trans activists they're not in any way involved in the gender war at all actually none of them Mm. what they are uh, lesbians who wish to be in a space that doesn't involve men so they can Mm. have fun so that they can talk so that they can um, recover from horrible experiences that they might have had and give Mm. each other support which as we know you can't really do in, in the same way when there's men around or even a man. Mm. And one, one woman, we'll call her Olga, and she's given me full permission to talk about this. Is this
0: Ukrainian woman?
1: Yes, yeah, so she's from Ukraine and she's been in Canada a couple of years. She's 25 and she's had a difficult history involving trauma. Um, and part of that was her... And she grew up in a very rural area in a conservative family, and it was not easy for her to be a lesbian and to be out as a lesbian. So she ended up going to a psychologist who said to her, well, you know, clearly you're really a man. And, you know, Olga is a lesbian. She's an androgynous young lesbian. Mm-hmm. And what she told me shocked even me, which is that the only criteria that you need to meet in order to be put forward for full medical, social, surgical transition is that you're either a lesbian or a gay man in Ukraine. In Ukraine? Yeah. That's the only criteria. If you're a lesbian, then they will just tick that box and say that you are suitable to go forward for surgery, etc.
0: And are they the only people that are allowed to transition? or?
1: Well, or I it? mean, if, look, I mean, if you were on that road, you would just go along and say, I'm a lesbian and mm. or a gay man. And she was asked, Olga was asked, what kind of toys did you play with as a child? I mean, it's 101 sexist. So, so
0: her therapist was in Ukraine. I'm, yes. I missed that bit. I thought he was in Canada. Sorry, that's right. probably
1: because I'm confusing things. I met her in Toronto but she'd migrated from Ukraine a couple of years ago. And and this is what made me feel very, very upset for her and angry and for the other lesbians. She migrated to Canada because she had heard it is extremely progressive and liberal, and Mm -hmm. it's great to be out as a lesbian there. Mm -hmm. Now, what she's found is you can't be out as a lesbian. You can be out as a queer woman. You can be out as a lesbian who includes men in their dating pool or you get ostracised and bullied. And she's found that there are no lesbian only spaces at all. The only um, groups for lesbians are organised from women's houses. It's like back to the 50s and 60s, it's like the bad old days that they can't actually have social events that are advertised for women only or they would be picketed and harassed and there'd be attempts to shut them down. Does that sound familiar?
0: Well yes yeah and it just goes to show how global this whole ideology is I mean and how how it's only about that far away from classic homophobia (laughs) I mean in Ukraine maybe they haven't I don't know actually much about Ukraine is probably obvious but um that therapist may not be like absolutely mired in the latest LGBT tastic propaganda but it's not that far off what the propaganda
1: says. I think it is classic um, anti-lesbianism and homophobia. I really do. And I know enough about Ukraine. I've been there enough and know enough feminists and lesbians and some gay men from investigations I've done over there to know that it is not a good place for women. It's not a good place for girls. Mm. It's, I mean, you know, Kyiv is heaving, with um, open displays of pornography, of, um, you know, mail-order bride services, um, of, you know, I mean, w- women are just treated as merchandise. There's The life expectancy of Ukrainian men is really low. It's like in late 40s or something like that. And, you know, it's it's a hard life for women. And the sexism is off the scale, just on a very basic level. So the idea that you can have that cultural norm of sexism and deep inequality between women and men, but actually be progressive when it comes to psychologists saying, Mm. yes, of course, you can transition. Obviously, it's not. It's just old-fashioned sexism. It's conversion therapy. And, Mm. And Olga told me that. She said it's conversion therapy. Now, Olga has de-transitioned um i mean oh, I
0: so was, she so she
1: actually oh, she went did. for it oh I for it. That. i'm really sorry i'll blame this on the jet lag that i'm starting <laughs> stories in the middle but anyway hopefully it's clear now she okay. did she did take up her psychologist's suggestion she did transition um and i was just sitting looking at her and you know hearing her voice which is just a sort of you know regular young woman's voice and um, a very smooth skin, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I said to her, well, um, you know, I, I just can't imagine what changes were made physically for you to pass easily as a man. And she showed me a photograph, and it was extraordinary. Big bearded, really, kind of, yeah. Oh. Because testosterone is extremely effective, and that's why you know trans men usually pass pass quite yeah, well. Yeah, I'm just surprised that it hasn't left its
0: traces. But anyway, she's luckily, lucky. But lucky she's her. she's
1: great, she's great lesbian. And um, then further on, later in the week, um, I did quite a lot of leathering. I popped into a <laughs> queer sports bar that used to be a lesbian sports bar and is now all the colors of the rainbow and um when it was so oh, did you go when it was a lesbian
0: sports bar have you been well before?
1: no no I've never been before it's actually quite new and mm. it was recommended to me by Jonathan Kay, who edits Quillette <laughs> mm.
0: he hangs <laughs> out in a lesbian sports bar I can well, totally see
1: that I think he'd probably deny it but we'll see what he says <laughs> when he listens to this um <laughs> anyway it was it was fun so what tell um, tell me tell me sorry because queer and
0: sports are not two words that i normally put together
1: well and also, i don't want
0: to like diss the queer community but i do not see them as the most athletic uh community in the world nor the uh most interested in spectator sports so what except what for lesbians goes on there? Well, well the lesbians yes but then they changed the the topic yeah. so
1: well they only changed It from a lesbian sports bar to a queer one because of course you can't have anything lesbian in Canada oh I see so So it
0: still was de facto full of women watching there there were quite a few or something
1: quite a few women in there watching football um watching whatever sports they were watching um I wasn't watching it I was eating a hot dog and it was a very nice hot dog and drinking a martini (laughs) but I was I was a bit nervous when I was there in case anyone Recognised me, and I wasn't the kind of usual demographic, so it was not a relaxing um, mm. seven and a half minutes or however long I managed to. Stay. <laughs> Is that how long how you long you take to eat a hot dog? <laughs> Probably more like twelve and a half minutes because I had to drink the martini alongside it. But it was it was a very nice hot dog. Uh,
0: I don't I don't really like hot dogs. It's something about the squeaky texture mm. against your teeth that yeah but that, and also the, the thought of what the hell they've put in there and yeah. homogenized into some weird um tube no it's not for me oh,
1: well thank you very much for spoiling that nice Sorry. bit of that trick to the <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it wasn't really my thing anyway then i met lots of other great women who were telling me that they are starting to organise as lesbians. They're pulling Hmm. women in from different parts of the country. One of them is literally driving around sort of six, seven hours at a time between cities and different um, provinces to physically meet women. Because check this out. They have to vet the women face to face before they dare then say, yes, come and join our group in case. Why?
0: What do they think face to
1: face is going to give them? Well, I don't know. I I, I was I know I was quite surprised about that as well. But there were all these kind of stories of mistrust and about women joining their kind of lesbian gang and then falling out as lesbians inevitably do because (laughs) two of them get involved in a relationship and they split up and then the other one goes up with the other one and then and you're not going to be routine, able to eliminate that
0: through vetting i'm afraid that's just part of the
1: that's a feature not a bug no well that's true i mean you could never ever vet lesbians falling out but it it kind of it it gave me some hope that you know these lesbians will not be forced hmm. into compliance but mm-hmm. it also made me feel profoundly depressed that this has to start all over again it is depressing however counterpoint
0: it's exciting as well and at least the younger lesbians if this is happening with younger lesbians sounds like it is it is they've got a whole new rebellious uh stance to take you know that i mean what there's nothing interesting in fact i think that was part of the original problem that in the 2000s it had all been done for them. There was no new positions to take for young people to take, so they had to find something that was countercultural in a different way, and it turned out to be something pretty disastrous, in my view. But, um, but yeah, now yeah. they can be riotous, rebellious, mm. uh, kick-ass lesbians again, do you know, and, and shout at the older people, which is oh. really what all the young people want to do. I didn't think of that.
1: Do you well, know, you're jealous, right? You're a bit envious, yeah, massively. God, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant what they're doing, and they're full of energy. And they, you know, they're just kind of really, we're not having this, and I love that, of course. Yeah,
0: I, I met up with two very young radical feminists in Texas when I was there, mm. uh, doing some teaching. They wanted to meet me, and you would have totally adored them. They were planning direct action on Hooters bars yes. in Dallas. Um, they are so immersed in the second wave and they're absolutely uncompromising. And they're between them, they're like, there's about eight of them and they go along and protest at these Hooters bars in in Dallas. What do they
1: call it? Breast? Restaurants. Uh, restaurants. And Hooters is, oh, good for them. I would have loved that. A good few years ago, I went to the opening of Hooters in Nottingham which is, oh, where is not Where is Nottingham? Actually,
0: is it? What do you mean the- where is Nottingham?
1: Well, in in England, I'm just for our for our listeners. Outside it's in the East
0: e- East North uh, Midlands, East Midlands.
1: Uh, anyway, you get to it on a train from London. That's all I know. And uh, I went there to interview some of the waiters because obviously, if you've got a concept, which is Hooters, it's terrific, isn't it? You've got. Um, Stag, in
0: Nottingham though oh my groups God. of
1: stag staggers coming in. I know Nottingham and Hooters really like purgatory, and you've got a menu just you know catering for men that want to drink loads of beer and soak it up with carbs. So chicken wings and sounds you know, good that bit ligers. to be honest. <laughs> well, I tried the food and let me tell you, um that didn't it didn't uh, make up for it. But the waiters that the women um are let's say encouraged to wear the skimpiest T-shirts and really short skirts. And they are also required to take part in a wet T-shirt competition uh, Mm. once a week. I mean, it's sexual harassment is off the scale there because the men obviously feel entitled. That's Mm -hmm. the concept. There's kind Mm -hmm. of soft porn playing on the walls and stuff. Mm. Um, So pretty grim. So anyone that actually protests hooters already has my heart and respect. Mm -hmm. And to do it in Dallas. (laughs) Four places. Yeah, they were pretty cool. The other thing, actually, that I was really pleased about um, talking to the the women in Toronto, the lesbians, is that they organize holidays for themselves and they go every year to the Michigan Women's Music Festival, which was shut down by trans activists in 2015. Um, And it, it is no more. But what they do now is have pop-up Michigan women's festivals on the same bit of land on
0: what's that land called again women's land
1: or something yeah women's land that makes no sense women's land we could always
0: look this up but we're not going to we're just going to guess because I think that makes it better let's
1: just call it (laughs) women's land anyway it's that The women are back on Michigan and they're having big lesbian gatherings. And yeah, I mean, all right. So they're, it means traveling from Canada. Aren't they, aren't they supposed to be secret?
0: I don't want to. I remember someone telling me this about telling me about this and saying, yeah, but we don't publicize it.
1: They don't publicize when it is. They don't oh, give okay. any detail out like that. But everybody knows it's happening. And the lesbians all get together and drive each other. I mean, it's obviously a long drive. From Toronto from, to Michigan. Mm. And you've got to cross a border, which not everybody has a passport to, you know, be able to do that. But it's something. And what they really want to do is start thinking about organizing some kind of woman's land. Um I'm sure that's not even the
0: right word. Oh <laughs> uh, well, yes. And I always did, I mean, I don't know much about Michigan, but I think my dominant image of it is like Detroit. Is that in Michigan? And so I yeah. always and basically I would think of industrial wasteland or whatever. So I never really understood what would be great about traveling for hundreds of miles to Michigan, except that you would be in the company of um,
1: well, I'm not even sure about that, but to be honest, I'm not sure
0: I like no. the idea of being in the company no. of loads and loads of lessons. No, of I went, off. no,
1: I never, ever, ever went to Michigan <laughs> because the photographs I saw of women. With carrying baskets in the grocery store, fully naked, put me off. I just thought that was isn't the... my jam.
0: What in the basket? <laughs> <laughs> I've
1: just come well, up. with No, it's not my America. jam
0: either, uh, nor my marmalade. I know. I um no. But, I mean, what is presumably... your jam
1: though? What is your jam when it comes to holidays though? Because when they were talking about this holiday, um, I don't have many, ho- I'm not a holiday person, I travel a lot for but you work. go
0: abroad all the time and then you just take work with you wherever you go as far as I can see, like you never get a chance to relax, well, or at least you yeah. don't want to.
1: Well no but I am I am actually starting to think I really 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 need a holiday it's bloody cold. Mm.
0: Well my jam is similar I don't know why why we keep saying jam now.
1: But because um... I've just come back from North America. Oh <laughs> I, I see yeah. coming
0: back with me. <laughs> yeah. You're going to start saying that you dig it in a minute or something. I'm
1: digging it. Yep.
0: Um right no well I don't go on holidays either I have to say so this is a bit of a shit answer but um I and I always plan at the last minute well not really planned just basically um decide at the last minute but this is the time of year isn't it when people do like people that i find very alien start booking holidays six months in advance and thinking all about it because the weather's terrible they want something to look forward to
1: i know and actually i remember a few months ago talking with um a couple of friends who were um Desperate to go on one of those Olivia cruises, which sounded. Oh, yes. I mean, it's it's its fiftieth anniversary of Olivia. So that's cruises. a lesbian
0: cruise, isn't it? I tell you, the reason I know that is um, that Facebook, about a year before I came out, F- Facebook started advertising Olivia cruises to me, and I thought,
1: <laughs> now these algorithms are good. <laughs> Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, I'd never heard of it. And apparently it started as a women's music label and it's now one of the most successful lesbian companies of all time. um, It was about to go bust as a music label and then somebody suggested just start advertising cruises. You charter a ship, a boat, whatever. And um, they sold 600 tickets within days. Of lesbians desperate to go off to the Caribbean, they go to all over the place, and and it's exclusively I mean, it is, women crew, is it? It's exclusively women. I don't know if they've now got a kind of definition of lesbian that includes penises. Oh well, yeah, let's just assume. Let's just assume. Um, but it it looks wild, and there are all kind of celebrities that have endorsed it, and loads of kind of celebrity lesbians giving after dinner speeches. I mean, like who? Oh. Like who? Do you have you got any? I mean, well, are we talking Jeannie, Sue Perkins or... It'll be the we likes talking? of Sue Perkins, but Jeannie Ashery, the comedian, um, she she endorses it and she's done gigs there. So they've got all kinds of, of lesbian names. But, okay, so let's, please, let's just imagine this, Kathleen, right? Because this friend that was talking to me about it, mm. she was was thinking that she might trap off with a mutual friend, right? And this uh-huh. mutual friend... Was saying that she would quite like to go on one of those cruises. So the other one who was wanting to trap off, are you with me so far? Yes. She was asking me and my partner to go along to provide cover for her. Right.
0: What kind of cover is it exactly when you go as a foursome? Okay. That looks like a setup, not cover.
1: Okay. Sorry. So I don't mean the- to pull. Water on
0: the co- the cover. <laughs>
1: the, well it didn't happen the cover was that we would just go in a group as opposed to oh I see my friend who wanted to trap off yeah oh, other oh, I suppose it's better than to her yeah and and I just point blank refused I mean I was calling it <laughs> Isle down the Nile because it was an Egyptian cruise <laughs> and I just said absolutely not I'll throw myself in the sea the idea of being trapped on a boat with a load of lesbians, the arguments, the drama, the, the enforced fun. The um, uh, arm, competitive arm wrestling. <laughs> yeah, when you get that bored. And, and, and the food, you know, just all of that kind of cruise mentality stuff. No, absolutely I not.
0: Sort of, my only visual reference point for those cruises is Death on the Nile, um, with the Agatha Christie film. So I just imagine a lesbian version of that with um you know people Mm. dressed in pearls and and tuxedos and
1: and someone being stabbed to death well that would happen wouldn't it with um several thousand lesbians don't you think someone being stabbed to death yes (laughs) i mean i don't think that we probably us
0: probably you exactly
1: (laughs) no but can, can you imagine i mean I don't know. I I can't imagine that I would want to go on a cruise with lesbians, bearing in mind... Have you ever been on a... Oh, sorry. No, no, just that I do tend to avoid, if I see lesbians, you know, on holiday, I'll I'll walk the other way and avoid them because... Well, have you ever
0: been on a a lesbian holiday of any kind?
1: Well, it depends what you mean by lesbian holiday, but in 1988... Mm -hmm. Just after I got together with the lovely Harriet, we decided that we would go and stay in a lesbian-owned, lesbian-run bed and breakfast in Lyme Regis, which is what is Lime Regis? It's it's on it's the scene. in
0: Dorset. It's a famous uh, coastal town, immortalised in the French Lieutenant's women, French Lieutenant's That's right. Woman. I think, right. Again, I can Google, but I prefer to just take my chances.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Look, I mean, what, what's important to recognize for those that don't know in 1988, we had no legal rights whatsoever. So if we would turn up at a hotel or a bed and breakfast or whatever, we would often be refused um, a double room. You know, we would be treated quite appallingly. We'd be looked at like we were serial killers. Um, lesbians and gay men, uh, you know, were usually not welcome and there was no comeback for us at all. So when oh. we heard about this lesbian run B&B, we thought, let's go there. Unfortunately, so did half of North London. So <laughs> we went to stay um, and it was a great place because it was run by a classic butch and femme couple.
0: Oh, amazing. Straight
1: out of the 60s. In fact, the femme part of the couple She was a Carnaby Street model back in the day. And um, the butch part of the couple would sit there smoking a pipe, looking at the racing times and sort of drinking a, you know, tumbler of whiskey, fill in the blank, the stereotype blanks. But they were a lovely, lovely pair. And Mm -hmm. we went round for dinner and, you know, that was all really nice. But the problem was um, that... If you run a lesbian b in 1988, where there's no legal rights and protection, you are going to be very visible and things are going to happen. And when we walked out of the B&B, you had to pass a restaurant called Mad Hatter's. Somebody listening to this will remember this without question. Mm-hmm. And the chef and his young uh, waiter, male waiter would come outside whenever any of the lesbians walked out of that B&B and would start shouting, uh dirty lesbians lesbian Avenue I mean, every single time it was horrendous, all but right. the other thing that wasn't um you know particularly pleasing was having to actually be in a small b and b going down for breakfast with all the other lesbians who you knew from some guys <laughs> or other because there aren't that many of us, so it <laughs> it it was it was bittersweet that time because it meant we could. Yeah, we could kind of at least be in an environment where we were accepted, but Mm -hmm. except for the Mad Hatter, three feet away Mm. from the door of the yeah, it's disgusting.
0: And did they um? Are they still there? I don't suppose they are. No,
1: sadly, no. And and also, I mean, for the same reason that you know many of these kind of um, businesses have closed down, because now it's very difficult to discriminate and get away with it, in um you know, when you turn up as a lesbian couple or when they realise that you're lesbians. It, in fact, the last time it, it happened to me was about 10 years ago in Scotland, in the Highlands, right. when um, I went to stay with a friend and we were treated as though we were unwelcome. We actually weren't in a relationship, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. And we'd booked a really, really nice room, a big room. And they gave it to the heterosexual couple that checked in after us and swapped our room and gave us, they downgraded us.
0: That's terrible. Oh, I was going to say, desert. are you sure it's not just Scottish hospitality? <laughs> but it does sound like um, that's out of order. That's well, now that
1: you mention Scottish hospitality, I did go and do a story <laughs> for The Guardian a few years ago about... Um, a village that banned children <laughs> so you could move in there but you were well, that sounds it. great oh my <laughs> god that's why I wanted to go write about it I did find it quite a creepy place but that's not the point it was in Nairn you know Nairn oh well I yeah I holidayed in Nairn a couple of times actually I love Nen. right okay well what, but Nairn didn't
0: ban children as far as I last
1: well what? this the, this particular community Fir Hall it's called oh, Okay anyway so while I was I was doing that story and I was also doing a story um ter- terrible story about a a man who was shot uh point blank range yeah in then, that was famous yeah and they've never ever found yeah um, I know I think about that quite often yeah it's a ter- ter- terrible a bank account. manager I think wasn't he that's Just... right and they looked at various people around him close to him but never no one was ever charged but mm. anyway but there I was in then, went into the local news agents um to buy a copy of The Guardian back in the day when The Guardian was worth reading. And I was told, No, that's for the locals. And I said, Oh, sorry, because I thought that maybe they were going out to deliver the papers and they were all assigned, <laughs> assigned newspapers at birth. <laughs>
0: and <laughs> yeah.
1: and, uh, and I said, Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Do you have and she said, That they for- we're keeping them for the locals. And she made it really clear. Oh, come that- on.
0: I mean, I love then, very much and I am Scottish so you know save your outrage for me but um I don't believe that there's millions of Guardian readers in then, or at least don't think there were then well I still mm. don't think there
1: are. I don't know all I know is that and my editor was so pleased with what I'd got from the story that she said stay an extra night and I said god no and she <laughs> said please she said your expenses are limitless if you stay and I said Oh, right. So I can stay an extra night at the um, Great Western and go again to the Nan Tandoori and get a bottle of Leib from Ilk. Get a nan. (laughs) Some nan that's a play on words on Nan. Yeah, a lesbian nan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that lesbian nan story. Do you? I mean, this is a bit of a digression. Maybe we should explain what the lesbian nan Story was, but did you? I felt a bit uncomfortable about the lesbian land story, so let's just explain yeah. what it is and then, uh, and then go on
1: and then I'll tell you what, oh, what it is.
0: Well, okay, so, um, you know, the police in the UK is increasingly wokeified in some forces, anyway. And I think an autistic young woman was in great distress, and the police were called, and um, she said. To one of to the police woman
1: you look like did she say you look m- like my, my lesbian, lesbian man, man. Meaning her, 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 her nan is a lesbian yes
0: um but this police woman got extremely offended didn't she and then sort of all the colleagues were felt that they pressed i i did watch the video they seemed to feel that they were pressured into taking some kind of stance on her behalf mm-hmm. and they arrested this girl Um, Mm -hmm. who was very, very distressed, uh, having a kind of meltdown,
1: really. Yes. Um, And They dragged her out of a cupboard where she was hiding. She was 16 years old and, you know, loved her lesbian nan and was making a very literal comment. And it turned out, I think, that this so-called lesbian nan, Copper, who was a young woman, um, identified herself as non-binary and therefore was offended at the lesbian bit, but I don't know if that's I think true. she's probably more offended at the Nan bit to
0: be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I mean she's only 23 or something. <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway, uh, then it became a kind of meme, didn't it? Um yeah. and also Les this woman who was now na- this policewoman who is now on Twitter known as lesbian nan because <laughs> nothing like rubbing salt in a wound. Um she popped up at some other video. Was she pepper spraying somebody?
1: She's going anyway, where she's... Maybe I'm making that up. Running around the streets of Leeds. There was this gang of, of young boy, lads and they were obviously out maraudering, I don't know, twocking. Yeah, i pepper spring. spray them. No, yeah, little, you know, sods. But it, she was running around like this... <laughs> Spraying all of them in their faces, and the video was caught. And somebody said, "That's lesbian, lamb." And today, <laughs> I felt bad because she'll never ever lose that label. But then, that sixteen-year-old autistic girl might never forget being dragged out of a cupboard by a police officer, yeah. while a group of them stood around, being told she was going to be done for a hate crime.
0: I... Yeah, I've got mixed feelings about all of it, because, yeah, that bit I've got no mixed feelings about. It's not the police's business. Um, it's just demonstrative of how ideology is seeped into um, policing and they should be catching real criminals. And it was just the thing. The yeah. whole thing took place on video so you could really see how pointless yeah. it was. However, <laughs> um, part of me obviously laughs and thinks it's funny. I mean, and even to the point where I saw... Um, Katie Wally, a great uh, a great feminist uh, campaigner had dressed up as lesbian nan to go to one of po- Posey Parker's uh, meets but um but part of me was also just thinking like people is this people are laughing at this because of the concept of lesbian nan aren't they i mean it's somebody actually told said to me they thought it was lesbophobic so what do you think Once you stopped laughing so hard you can't speak
1: I don't think he's lesbophobic at all I mean I really don't is it ageist (laughs) (laughs) no because okay he's clearly 23 (laughs) and you I mean this is just and anyway (laughs) as a 61 year old who could well be somebody's could grandmother be. yeah although, <laughs> then why is that bad if somebody somebody's said- <laughs> i know i don't you know i think maybe i'm smarting man. a bit because
0: when i was in hospital um watching my daughter be born the nurse came in and said to sorry, me, sorry you can imagine what's coming yeah she said um uh is this the granny? Have we got the granny here?
1: Why have you never told me that story before? That's perfect.
0: Alex. Well, because I'm furious about it, obviously. Um, and I did think, look, if I was a different kind of person, I would go straight to Stonewall with this, and it would be a whole program
1: deprogramming for the entire NHS. I mean, but, you're um, hardly, you know, you're hardly Leonardo DiCaprio. What? <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean he it, don't his girlfriends get younger and younger and Oh, younger? I see I
0: see thank you for explaining <laughs> <laughs> anyway
1: <laughs> no anyway yeah i
0: i I feel the smart of the uh of the nan, um, so maybe that's why I'm, I'm not finding but, it I funny I mean she's
1: never gonna be thought of as somebody's nan at twenty three with her pink cheeks and her no you know, sweet blonde haircut. But uh, but really, it was bang out of order. But look, let's get back to holidays because I've just Sorry. remembered another story. OK,
0: OK, give us one more.
1: Have you been to Lesbos? No, I've never been to Lesbos. Right. So Lesbos is obviously the island that gave us our name, Lesbians, because mm. Sappho um, lived, uh, was born and died there, the poet Sappho, and... Um, there's all kinds of, you know, romantic artefacts. Beautiful
0: poetry. Yeah,
1: I've read beautiful, some Sappho. Absolutely beautiful poetry and a really magical. Well, Greek islands are magical. What is it about lesbians and Greek islands? I hear you asking. Who knows? But I've, I'd never chosen to go there because it sounded to me like Hackney on Sea or Brighton mm. on Sea or somewhere, just mm. full of the women that you would bump into if you're out at the market on a Saturday morning or down the pub. So then in 2008 something happened that led me to making a trip to Lesbos shall i All tell right. you about it please do okay so so from from memory um there was there were three lesbians by which i mean natives of the island of lesbos so like um like i'm a brit yeah I understand right, so that, well, sorry, I just thought, you know, because of the harder thinking, you know, I just thought i better explain that. So three actual, actual natives um, yes. submitted a legal challenge in an attempt to stop the homosexual and lesbian community of Greece, which is uh, the acronym O-L-K-E, from using the term lesbian. So they said, we're the lesbians, <laughs> you can't actually have lesbian meaning those dirty perverts. And they said that this is discriminatory. One of the men that was taking the case to court, um, Dimitris Lambou, he was the editor of the right-wing publication Davlos Torch, um, and two of his female colleagues. He said using lesbian in this way disgraces them around the world. Um, islanders, he what said, amazing
0: ambition this man has to change Hello. this concept that well radically. he
1: said he said islanders are suffering and I quote uh, psychological and moral Trauma- rape. rape and he said his sister was deeply traumatized because she can never call herself a lesbian well you know actually I've got advice for her <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is a way <laughs> so so I was <clears throat> I decided to go and do a story for The Guardian. Mm, I can see why. I can see why. Right. Travelled over there, immediately saw about 15 women I'd fallen out with over the years or (laughs) whatever. And uh, But it was great. I was only there for 24 hours with a heterosexual photographer and her eyes were opened, let me tell you. To what? Well, to the debauchery of the lesbian community. And I think she... You mean
0: that now, hang on, it's confusing now. Do you mean the lesbian community or the lesbian
1: community? Oh, okay, Our tribe. I think you mean us. Our tribe. And obviously this legal challenge failed. But what I wanted to find out was are lesbians really welcome on the island or is it because obviously they need tourism? It's like, you know, are sex tourists in Amsterdam really welcome there? And I'm not mm. comparing lesbians to sex tourists. I'm talking about the way that people will put up with what they don't like in order to bring in revenue. Yeah. So and what did you find? I found that no people don't really like the lesbians there. But there was a particular atrocity that had happened in the year two thousand, eight years before I was there, that really did give the leses a bad name. Shall I tell you what it was? Oh
0: no. What what did Well,
1: have you ever, no, it's not our people, (laughs) (laughs) a subset of our tribe. Have you heard about the candy bar, which was a bar in London? Yeah, 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 I used to go to the candy bar, yes. Okay, well, they used to have strippers and I was, you know, just not my cup of tea at all. It was full of strippers and leering women and then nice lesbians like Kathleen, obviously. But what they decided to do, the candy bar, was organise a group trip to the island Okay, so Mm -hmm. flyers advertising, I'm so embarrassed, a wet pussy party flooded Irosos, which is the main town. Flooded. Mm. mm -hmm, Yeah. (laughs) And it prompted the then mayor of the village, Irosos, which is where most of the lesbians gather, to try to stop about 100 British lesbians disembarking from their cruise ship for a stop-off. Wow. And apparently the behaviour of these lesbians, actual our tribe lesbians, was so lewd and loud. Um, And to make matters worse for the Islanders, Hmm. Root was accompanied by a film crew, are you ready, from Channel (laughs) 5, making a fly-on-the-wall documentary, (laughs) Lesbians Go Mad on Lesbos. Is this still (laughs) available, this footage?
0: That would be excellent. Why I can just imagine, I it, you actually. I know, but where? I mean, that that was around the time of all the, um, wasn't it? Two thousand? Did you say it was two thousand-ish? Two thousand, yeah. So it was like off the back of like a whole the lad culture, yes. Nuts magazine, Zoo magazine for Completely. the blokes, and and I got the impression at the time that lesbians were hitching a ride on, mm. so to speak. Oh yeah. On on that whole um, zeitgeist thing. Not that it I was... objected to it, to be honest. I didn't have a critical thought in my head about it. I my actually thought it did. was
1: quite enjoyable, to be honest. <laughs> I had more than a critical bone in my uh, body. I know. Than...
0: You would have, have despised me at the time. At the oh. time.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, let me tell you, though, that uh, what, what one of the women said to me when I interviewed her eight years later. So... Apparently, the documentary just destroyed the image of the island, right? This was the worst PR that because, you know, they they also wanted others to visit the island, not just lesers. Right. Mm. And the women were portrayed as louts, ladettes and sexual predators, I quote. And I asked this woman, a lesbian who lived on the island, was it inaccurate portrayal? And she said, not far from the truth. So they behaved appallingly and they had a DJ on the boat, Miss Thunder Pussy, <laughs> DJ Thunder Pussy. I mean, seriously, it's girls. Funny.
0: It's funny. I mean, yeah, I I don't have any problem with that. And I completely can imagine like the way they were, but that they're no worse than um a bunch of like pissed up, brits in magaluf and i have been to magaluf and i've been a pissed up Brit in magaluf um you know i mean we're just terrible wherever we go aren't we in fact i was reading a thing today saying that um uh various places amsterdam being one of them is cracking down on british tourists mm. in particular mm. stag nights oh. and hen nights and
1: yeah you know. and if and blackpool blackpool here in england
0: which <laughs> is yeah, shutting yeah. down but, well, they can't get rid of British tourists in Blackpool, surely.
1: I would, if I were them.
0: Which Who are they going for instead?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is, it is disgraceful the way that, I mean, the double standards are so clear, aren't they? Because, of course, those lesbians didn't behave anywhere near as bad as Brits in Amsterdam, as Brits in mm-hmm. Magaluf, like you say. And, mm-hmm. you know, this, this was because they don't like the lesbians. And what was really interesting about it was it was very similar to stories that I've done in Hebden Bridge. Have you heard of? oh yeah yeah i've been to hebden bridge yeah right so it's a sure, lesbian... no
0: surely in hebden bridge that it's all uh dike walking
1: holidays and oh yeah vortex and no no that, that's not the point what i mean okay. is that the way well, that the lesbians were perceived so so hebden bridge has the highest number of le- lesbians per capita than anywhere else in the uk that still remains and it's a tradition that started in the 1970s where um women um, that wanted to get out of Leeds and Manchester where house prices were high um, would, and want they'd want to escape to the countryside as lesbians sometimes do, who knows why. And they bought up houses that had been um, abandoned by former mill workers. There was a lot of poverty. The hippies moved in with their money and their cappuccinos and the place got gentrified. But mm-hmm. it, the, I, I wanted to know whether or not lesbians were really accepted there and if so why what what's different about Hebden Bridge and when I went I found pretty much the same attitude as I did in that I did in Lesbos which is yeah they've got their uses they're okay they bring their money in you know they're they brought their plumbing Mm -hmm. business you know they can renovate our houses um but it's just because it's a bit of an alternative scene and the hippies moved in that they're accepted. They're not really, really wanted. They're not embraced as no No, I'm sure
0: that's true. But I would really hesitate to, without knowing, obviously without knowing that much about it, but just on the surface, I, given that everywhere I've ever lived, there is always a narrative about incomers. In fact, the place I live now, mm. they're called DFLs, down from London. Yeah, yeah. Um, they bring their fancy uh coffee uh concoctions and Ooh. uh their um annoying children's names. Uh-huh. Yeah <laughs> oh my god there's some annoying children's names in oh uh, my- they're not oh you wouldn't believe it but um and you know they just they don't fit in and and it's not because it's not necessarily because they're lesbians it's because they're a kind of self um enclosed tribe Ooh. that just chip in use all the public services complain about things change the atmosphere change the culture of the town which and i'm sure if even if it was depressed i bet there was a working class culture there that um
1: that was good so well that was in toddlerton next door that's where all the working class lesbians went so there were factions there were the kind of usual splits between the lesbians even uh, of course, there were. I mean, of course.
0: <laughs> the only thing I know about Todmorden is, uh, and this shows how deeply middle class I am, is is it's where um, Sylvia Plath is buried, mm. isn't it? And so apparently, people are going so. to go face her, deface her tomb and carve Ted Hughes's name off it. Um, oh yes, I, I remember that was... direct action.
1: Yeah, and yeah. good, good actually. I was pleased. No, yes. I agree. Boom, well, well boom. I I agree with myself. We're still leathering, but obviously, but I just want to recommend a film to you, but it's not a leather film. OK, mm. and it is, I have to say, it is one of the very, very best films I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's by one of my favourite filmmakers, Todd Haynes. It's um, May, December. OK. And it's about um, a woman with a very with a shady past, to say the least and an actor who is hanging out with her, shadowing her, because she's going to play her in a film. And do you, T- Todd Haynes is a gay yeah, I mean, he's a filmmaker. Yeah, I've seen um, that one with Julianne Moore, Far From Heaven, is it? Far From Heaven, and he's made some amazing films. And he follows in the tradition of Douglas Sirk, who is yeah. my very, very, very favourite filmmaker of all time. Are you sure you're not a gay of... man in disguise? of all time oh my god Douglas really? films I am obsessed when I was sent to university huh. by Harriet in one because I was semi-feral in um <laughs> in the in the 90s as a mature student well mature obviously being an operative words. Yes. Um, student but... being an operative word as well I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I decided you know yeah okay I've got to get a degree in those days they counted for something what can I do that requires the least amount of work? I know I'll do film because I've always loved film. I sit with my mum watching films all the time. I've got all her own mm-hmm. film books. And so, and I've always loved melodrama. That might surprise you. Mm, anyway, so that I did. not surprise I did, me. I did film and then I did a sort of Altazarian structuralist module just for a laugh and <laughs> would sit and watch melodrama all the time. And got to know Todd Haynes and was completely and wow. utterly just mesmerised. So this, and the reason why I'm telling you this, Kathleen, is because last, um, our last episode, mm. we talked about Twin Flames and we talked about Friends and these TV programmes and films that you've got me into. And I very rarely give you a recommendation back that.
0: No, so, well, I appreciate that. I, I must admit that I do not like melodrama Um and I'm surprised. I, I mean, even though I know that I should have worked it out, but I'm surprised that that's your thing. But I watched, I can tell you what not to watch. If okay. It helps. And yeah, I did watch does. a lesbian film. Well, lesbian in inverted commas, to be honest. I watched The Handmaiden at the weekend by, um, oh God, I've written it down, Park Chan-wook. And the reason I watched oh. it is because I watched uh, Decision to Leave by Park Chan-wook the week before, which is a brilliant film. Right, And I thoroughly okay. recommend that. There's no lesbian themes whatsoever, but it's right. a really um, intriguing, um, deep, I think relatively deep film. Anyway, but The Handmaiden is um, an adaptation of a great book by Sarah Waters called Fingersmith. Have you mm-hmm. ever read any of Sarah Waters?
1: Um, it's not my thing, but um, I know Silversmith quite well. Well, there
0: is melodrama and anyway. We won't get into yeah. that, but there's plenty of melodrama in Waters. So Sarah Waters, right, as I'm sure everybody knows who listens to this, r- writes these sort of, uh, well, they're always, they always, I think always have a lesbian theme. Maybe not, maybe mm. one I can think of doesn't. And it, she locates them in um, historical periods like the Victorian era or the war, and um, they're really great. She's a fantastic, I think she's a fantastic storyteller. I met her once and I was completely overcome. Um, I couldn't say she's anything a, interesting she's a whatsoever. Great,
1: she's a she's a really, really lovely person. I've also met her once and right. She's just the nicest person you can meet. Yeah. No ego, no apparent No, ego.
0: no, no, exactly. I just babbled at it like a fool. Um, <laughs> but anyway, she right. Anyway, so she's written this great book, Fingersmith, and I don't want to go into the plot too much because it's got these fantastic twists. And um anyway, part Chan Wook <laughs> has adapted it or did adapt it like several years ago into this film called The Handmaiden and I was quite excited about it because I'd read that it was really good and showed a really sort of sexy intriguing lesbian relationship um and it really doesn't in the sense that it what it does show is a male um parody of lesbian sexuality mm. um it just got more and more and more ridiculous uh the kind of sex they were having um i Don't mean spill. Stylized, well i mean you can imagine like all the cliches um but, the, but at the end it actually it had been kind of ridiculous for quite a while. It started off sort of vaguely titillating, then it got quite ridiculous, and then to the end, I actually found started to find it offensive. And I don't find right. many things right. offensive, but in the end, um, without giving away anything crucial about the plot, one of them, the main one of the two women, the main characters, um, introduced a, a sex toy that she had been, as a child, um, basically abused non consensually with by oh. her uncle. Jeez, so they sort of recuperated a, a a rapist sex toy in the final scene, but it was presented as quite romantic. Oh, it, it was absolutely off. disgusting to be honest. And um yeah, I just couldn't couldn't stay with it mentally at all because I was so alienated from what I was watching. Right. It was really just And then I read all these interviews where the director was saying that you know it was really difficult to do sex scenes well, but he feels like he would really pulled it off. Um, he listened to lots of women, and I don't know which women he was listening to, but
1: well, it there'd was be just lots of so lo- obviously no men. doubt lots of men pulling it off. I don't know about it. It was for
0: straight women and men, I think. And actually, I even read a review by a gay
1: man who said he found it very erotic. So there you go. Seriously, I mean, there's a there's a film theorist who's brilliant, she's a feminist, and she writes in a very accessible way called Laura Mulvey. Oh, and yeah, she, no. she came up with the, the concept the of male, male gaze, gaze, didn't yeah. she? And and this sounds to me exactly But that's the like male this.
0: G-A-Z-E, not
1: G-A-Y. No, G-A-Z-E <laughs> for deafness. And and some bloke interviewed Chan wook actually. Um and and he said, so the the um interviewer said that Chan Wook thinks that he's one of the girls. And mm. apparently ever since his he he made a film called Thirst in in 2009 a vampire Mm -hmm. horror which again is very lesbian themed isn't it there's loads Mm -hmm. of lesbian vampire films and and he said that actresses I've worked with have called me uni which is a Korean word women use when addressing an older woman and that and he says um there's some sort of sisterhood between us so I think he's a bit delusional as well yeah it sounds
0: like when men say things like that they and are completely blind to the sort of strategic reasons that younger actresses and people working on set might say those yeah. sorts of things to make that feel better <laughs> than oh, completely. they are delusional. i mean but, i I, um,
1: I don't know i mean it's not it's not identity politics I, I think i wouldn't often say this but i really don't think that men should make films about lesbian sex and lesbians i, I really, they I can't agree. i mean
0: this this confirmed it to me and then i was thinking back like can i think of a, a film or a play by written by men or directed by men that gets it right. Now I I, I thought Blue is the warmest color, which got rightly I think like pilloried for the lesbian sex for and it was kind of the same actually. There was like scissoring and you know stuff that's like very archetypally porn. Porno- yeah, yeah. But um but actually I didn't mind Blue is the warmest color as much as some people did, even though apparently as well one of the actresses was um like kind of coerced into some of it she said afterwards right that was a that was a male director um and what's his name again he is abdulatif kichiche mm-hmm. and then i was then you actually you put me onto this thing this play called five lesbians eating a
1: quiche i know it's wild Just, um I've got friends in, in Cyprus, lesbian friends, who tell me that this play, which is a long-running play, I don't know how many seasons it's had, but it's been around forever, that it's wildly popular there, and also mm. in Canada. So I mentioned it to some of the lesbians in Toronto, and they said, mm. oh, yeah, it's brilliant, it's brilliant. Now, I haven't seen it. But well, I, was... I,
0: have, I haven't seen it either, but I have read the script now, and I have looked at various things on YouTube, like bits and pieces. Yeah. It's... It's, well, you might like it because <laughs> you like <laughs> Douglas Sirk <laughs> and Todd Haynes, but it's that sort of um, gay male sensibility about um, lesbians. It's camp, camp as hell. Mm. It's funny. It's supposed. To be I saw the clip. And, yeah, I yeah. saw the clip. It's qu- it's quite crazy, isn't it? It's quite wacky. It's about five lesbians in the fifties who all um, have are obsessed with quiche and have a society in praise of the quiche, which is clearly a metaphor. Um, and then a nuclear bomb drops i don't know if you got that that yeah. plot element um so these are the last quiches that they'll ever eat, and at that point because everybody's about to die they are freed to express their um homosexuality to each other but all in a hilarious fashion you know interspersed with moments of sentimentality and melodrama and tears which is the sort of queasy American combination that I can't stand where they move from like ribald humor
1: to tears like Will and Grace basically I'm not gonna like this play anytime soon I mean whilst appreciating that the theatre world isn't overflowing with complex roles for women for lesbians um it's I mean I always find going to the theatre very self-conscious and actually, this quiche play has horror upon horror interaction with the audience. It's oh, my yeah, it idea does. of hell. It Have you does. ever been to a play where you've been picked out? Yeah. Of- my or- friends
0: run a theatre company and they're always doing that sort of thing. I always having to go to warehouses and walk through rooms and, you know, get get in on the action i don't mind it but in this case i think i would because basically the interaction is um these women who are all dressed in sort of pillbox hats and 50s outfits are trying to get the audience to admit that they're all lesbians i think and they've got a list of questions which i read at the end the appendix um which are things like you know have you ever used a, a hacksaw I'm sorry um, have you they're just basically cliches about um but sort of comical cliches about masculinity in women basically and these are the signs i'm not really sure what the what what the authors who are men we should have said we're doing here and whether they're parodying it or subtly endorsing it i don't really know obviously maybe i should go and see it but I I
1: i won't be rushing to see it anytime soon um i have a friend who's an actor theater actor And TV, but whenever she's she does a play, I always go along to press night, and that's quite fun. But Mm -hmm. sitting in the theatre, there's something about it that makes me feel a bit self conscious. Although I go to the opera and I absolutely love it. Really, I love um... love the opera, and I'll tell you this: we'll have a guest on this podcast hopefully soon a great lesbian who I've been put in contact with, who's in Toronto. And that's all I'm going to say, that she <laughs> shares my love That is It's opera. such a
0: shit teaser, Julie.
1: Sorry <laughs> a lesbian for, for Toronto again.
0: that likes opera. Ooh, I cannot <laughs> wait for that.
1: <laughs> well, you're going to be absolutely thrilled. Just before we, we call this a
0: day, are you more, I'm imagining you're not into like Wagner's Ring Cycle. No,
1: no, mine is Pacini and Verdi. Exactly. I as you knew it. I a, knew exactly it. Exactly as you would expect. <laughs> because I used to have a complete inverted snobbery about it. I have a very, very good old friend who loves opera. I would call her up and she'd have opera on the stereo. And I'd be saying, oh, have you got your Italian friends around for dinner? And she'd come to London and would always try to get me to go. And I resisted, resisted, resisted. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went to see Tosca, mm. and I was done for. That was it. And I'm—I don't really know much about opera. I'm—I'm I'm no way a buff. Um, I have, of course, written about it before. I've written well, you write about, about everything. So. Well, I write about everything. I've written about the the links between opera and hip hop because that's my other favorite musical genre. But I love it, and you know, we need more lesbians in opera. That's what I'm going to say. Okay.
0: Well, on that bombshell, let's say good evening (laughs) yeah well nice to see you see you next week yeah see you next week